Yeah, what's going on, Rotobonners? Good morning. Sunday morning. Football Sunday morning. Um, it's the great Marvin Gaye bringing us in with Where Are You Going? And where we're going is DFS. Um, I have been chasing uh, this week, uh, really most of the week. Uh, waiver wire was just like a ton of work because of all these crazy injuries and stuff. I slept in Wednesday morning, meaning like I slept till like 7.45. Um, it was feeling like I, you know, I recovered, you know, I got an extra half hour of sleep. Um, and then Thursday I got up, I had the quarterbacks pretty much done. I, you know, I, I got a little cocky, you know, and I started doing some DFS work ahead of some of the lineup rankings. And then when I went to load the quarterbacks up on rotobond.com, I realized we had some problems with some plugins, um, that I didn't know how to fix. It was more than just updating. Uh, and I really needed somebody with expertise. Luckily, eventually, uh, after hours of struggling with it, um, my boy John Nixon came and helped me out. So thanks to John, we ended up getting some rankings up. They were a little short of the blurbs. I was able to add some blurbs yesterday. Uh, I sort of got all the rankings in a place where I'm like, okay, I can do the rest of this in about a half hour. Let's let's start the DFS podcast. And then the construction site next to my house, I realize they're working on a Saturday, which they don't normally do. Uh, but apparently they're really close to getting this thing done, which for my life is very good. Uh, but they were jackhammering yesterday. And not only were they jackhammering, like every half hour, they would dump all like the product of the jackhammering in this big empty lot next to my house. Um, and like that would, it, it felt like a redwood was falling every like 20 minutes. Anyway, um, apologize that this didn't get done yesterday, but I swear to God, you guys wouldn't have been able to hear me. Um, so we had the site crash on Thursday, uh, the construction site, noise on Saturday. And this all just sort of goes to show um, that my process is fragile, um, that I don't have time to make up lost time during the week because I probably do too much. Uh, and I'm working on that. We're, we're working on getting that improved. Um, but this is what happens. This podcast gets pushed to Sunday morning and I apologize. I know a lot of you guys probably wanted this yesterday. Um, but I swear, man, I'm doing the best I can. Anyway, um, sorry, that's like a long windup, but I just wanted to let you guys know what was going on. Um, and then just to add insult to injury, not that you guys care, but this morning, as like, like 15 minutes before I'm going to go in the air, my computer just randomly starts updating itself. It shuts itself down and starts updating itself. I don't know why it did that. So I'm, not, I'm on the phone for the first 10 minutes of our show trying to update my computer during a live show. Um... <laughs> and to get my wireless headphones to work without taking the phone away from my ear. It was very challenging. I don't know how we pulled it off, but um, I definitely was not my best show this morning. Uh, sorry about that, uh, but I was dealing with some stuff. Anyway, now I'm sitting in front of a working mic. I've got, I've got my studio in front of me. Everything's recording. Everything's good. So let's get into this freaking slate, okay? Um, first, we're going to do just like a little, a little slate walk. Um, I'm just going to sort of go through these games. Um, I, I don't plan on doing this for more than 10, 15 minutes. And then we'll do a quick 5 to 10 minute rundown of the guys that I'm using. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about lineup construction and the frustration that I'm having <laughs> so far. Um, so first game up in the docket is Bears and Falcons. Um, you know, the, the, this game has sort of a volatile pace. If it gets off right, it could have really good pace. If it gets off wrong, it could have really bad pace. Um, the players in this game that sort of stand out for me are Hurst on the Atlanta side with Julio dinged up. 
Um, I think that's going to the other receivers are going to run into tougher sledding than they normally would, uh, and that should force some balls to Hurst, who's one of the lower priced tight ends. So I think Hurst, if you've got the guts to do it, is a guy to go to this week at tight end as sort of a standalone option on the Bears side of the ball. You know, Trubisky at fifty seven hundred, volatile, absolutely. Could he just? Take a big dump on your day? Absolutely. Uh, but the other side of the coin is if we do get the correct game flow here, um, Trubisky is priced down enough where he opens up avenues to get some other things in. So there really is, I think, for people who do enough lineups. I mean, if you're doing two or three lineups, a Trubisky lineup is a tough pill to swallow. If you're doing 20 lineups, I think having one or two Trubiskys, you know, with the understanding that, hey, these things can easily go wrong, but if they go right, I have a unique build um, that nobody else is, that well, that few people are going to have. So, you know, if you're a risk taker, if you like living on the edge, I think Trubisky can make some sense this week. And I think if you do it, you know, you got to stack him with A-Rob, I think. At 6,200, he's actually a bit of a cost saver this week. He's got advantages because uh, Atlanta's hurting at cornerback this week. They're hurting at cornerback in general, but uh, they've got a COVID uh, loss this week. So uh, I think the Trubisky-A-Rob connection in that it's a cheap stack, um, it can get you onto a different build, um, it could be interesting. I mean, I wouldn't go overweight on it, but it's interesting. Uh, moving down to the Rams at Buffalo, I think... When you look at this game, it's pretty obvious Josh Allen's in play. Now he's priced up, 6900 the nice price. Um, and then the other thing in this game I think that sort of sticks out is Singletary with something close to a full workload. Now, you know, full workload's probably getting a little bit uh, ahead of ourselves. I mean, you know, I mean, how much of TJ Yeldon are they going to play at this stage? I think it's going to be like an 80% Singletary day. And I think at 4,900 units, that puts him in play uh, in cash games. And certainly, if you think he can get in the zone, uh, he's got some GPP life. Um, now, apart from that on Buffalo, I don't see much to like. I'm going to fade Diggs in his matchup with Ramsey. Uh, if you're feeling bold in a GPP, you know, it's a gutsy move. You're going to, I think you're going to be low ownership. So there could be some payoff, but I just don't like the odds there. On the Rams side of the ball, their best guy also locked up with a shutdown corner, Tredavious White, probably going to be all over Woods. So you could go to Cup, but Cup hasn't been doing a whole lot. I think Higby's the guy I sort of like on that side. The problem with Higby is he's priced up. He's sort of at the, you know, at the top of the uh, tight end chain uh, with Kittle out uh, with Andrews uh, and, um, Kelsey both playing off the main slate. So uh, I don't know how popular Higby is going to be because the pricing is sort of tight on DraftKings this week. Um, and I, you know, I've heard a lot of people say it's not that tight. I mean, look, I, it depends what your standards are, but if we're comparing it to weeks one and two, it's freaking tight as far as I'm concerned. So Higby to me makes some sense on the Rams. I can't quite buy into their running game for DFS. So that's really it for me in this game. Um, moving down to Washington football team against uh, Cleveland um, this game, you know, Denzel Ward banged up a little bit. Not sure if he's going to play. If he does play, he's probably not going to be at 100%. So I think McLaurin at 5,900 units uh, makes some sense in GPPs. I'm not sure if he's cash viable for me. He's close. Um, and then on the Cleveland side, you know, Landry and Beckham both in play at their prices. Um, you know, Washington plays a lot of deep zones. So, you know, that could sort of you know, put a cap on Odell having the big play. So, you know, Odell it would have to sort of grind it out to pay off, at least in theory. And Cleveland doesn't really seem like they want to let him grind things out. They want him to be sort of a big play threat. So 
you know, I I think o, OBJ at his price certainly is, is GPP viable. I would be careful about weighting yourself down too much with that, though. I have a feeling that Beckham's going to have a solid game, but not a game, you know, a slate breaker, if you will. Landry on the other side, you know, he does work underneath effectively. He is the kind of guy where, particularly if, if this game is close for some reason, I could see Landry you know, being like a 10 target guy this week. Um, and at 5,500, 800 cheaper than OBJ, he doesn't need to hit the lofty peaks uh, to work in a GPP. He can be lubricant. He can be an enabler. If we can get him to 20, we're okay with it. So I think Landry's more of an interesting play to me. Um, and then, you know, I think the running backs certainly are in play on the Cleveland side. Now, you know, they've got Hunt priced up enough where it's sort of tough to play him. But Chubb at 6,900 units in a, you know, in a game where it's hard to envision him getting less than 20 touches um, and in a game where we think the script's going to lean towards just hammering the ball in the second half, I think Chubb's chances of scoring twice in this game are pretty good and his chances of going over 100 yards are pretty good. Um, and now, it's a gutsy play because you don't get that reception floor with Chubb but I think in a GPP you know a couple 6,900 unit dart throws of Chubb you know it's reasonable I mean look Vegas has got these guys scoring 25.5 uh, so, or at least when I put these in, you know, it might be a little more now, a little less. But, you know, Vegas has Cleveland scoring some points. Um, and if it happens, I think it's most likely going to be on the ground. So I think Chubb merits some exposure. I don't think you want to push his exposure to the point where you feel like you're, you know, out on a creaky branch. Like, don't go too crazy. Um, and let me see, anything else in this game? Not really. Let's because uh, we're on a little bit of a timetable here. So let's jump down to Tennessee and Minnesota because this game, uh, this game is significant. And the thing that <laughs> that I can't really figure out with this game is why does Vegas love it so much? I mean, this game's up up at around fifty points. Um, meanwhile, Minnesota can't get out of its own way. Um, now I understand that the Titans are going to score points. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now the nature of how they're going to go about scoring those points is going to have a lot to do with what Minnesota can do on the other end. So I mean. Tennessee should be able to run the ball at will in this game. Uh, I mean, Minnesota's been getting run on, and they just lost to Anthony Barr. They've got problems stopping the run. The thing is, Tennessee should be able to throw the ball at will here, okay? Uh, the Vikings have ruled out two of their top three quarterbacks in this game. They were already struggling, right? So... <laughs> You know, this this is a game where the Tennessee receivers should be open. Um, Tannehill is seeing it. He's hitting it. Um, so really, Tennessee should be efficient in everything they do. Uh, and eventually, this should turn into a Derrick Henry game. Now, the interesting... Uh, well, again, assuming Minnesota doesn't find their mojo somehow. But Henry is priced up at 7,800 units. That is a tough number to get to on this slate. So Henry... He's going to be in a smash spot. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. The carries have been there every week. He could absolutely crush in this game and put up 30 points. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I would love to have like 30% exposure to Derrick Henry. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there with the pricing. I'm certainly going to give it a whirl. Okay, uh, and I think th as much as the 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 receiving side of this thing for the Titans looks great, you know, unless Minnesota can put up a fight. There's not going to be much incentive to throw in the second half. So guys like Janu and Corey Davis, you know, and you know Humphreys is still there as a really cheap option if you want to use him. He's got some floor to him. But if these guys, like if if Davis gets it in the first half, 
you know, and Janu doesn't get much, then Janu getting into the second half could be a long putt. And the same thing holds true in reverse. So there, there definitely is some, some, some game flow risk to some of these options. So while I think Janu's a good play, I wouldn't go overloaded on him, okay? Uh, on the Minnesota side of the ball, you know, if this works, if they can actually do anything, and you can run on the Titans. Now, can Minnesota block it up? I don't know. But the Titans haven't been getting run on a little bit. So, you know, Dalvin Cook is an interesting play here. Uh, you're definitely going to be coming in on a guy with a huge ceiling and low ownership if that's your bag. Um, the problem is, you know, just like with Henry, it's hard to get up to Dalvin. Like, you have to work to get there. And to work to get there on a guy who hasn't really been getting it done is sort of tough, which is why he's going to be low-owned. So if you can find a way to get to Dalvin or Henry... Um, I think it's worth doing. The question is, can you find a way to get there that you like? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't create a dead spot in my in my roster just to get to these guys. Um, and uh, the same kind of thing with Adam Thielen. Thielen is gonna. I mean, if he doesn't get ten targets in this game, I'll be very surprised. Even with what could be a slow pace, could be, could be. Um, so you know, Thielen is strong because the target distribution, the touch distribution on Minnesota is so thin. But the other side of the coin is you get to pay sixty nine hundred for Thielen. Um, so while I think he's a good play, you know you are creating a weak spot by going up to sixty nine hundred for Thielen, and you're not, you know, you're spending a lot to be in a game that I don't know if we really want to be in. I mean, this is sort of the leverage game, you know. Um, Vegas has it up at fifty points. I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing it. If you can find a player in this game who goes off, I think you're going to be in great shape, um, you know. But it, the the pricing, at least for me so far, and I've you know I've I only have about a, an hour of lineup construction under my belt. As soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to spend three hours on it. Um, but the challenge, uh, you know, the challenge I've had um, is getting in these higher priced non quarterbacks. Now you can do it if you're willing to you know go down to a cheap quarterback. But all of our Konami Code foot point quarterbacks are up in that sixty six and above. Yeah, 67 and above area, right? Like Cam's at 6,700, um, and really there's nothing I love beneath him, you know? Anyway, uh, let's jump down to Raiders-Patriots. Now, Jim and I covered this on the show. I'm not touching any Raiders in this game. I do think Cam uh, is viable anywhere you want to use him, and that includes cash. I think stacking him with Harry is an interesting way to... You know, if you believe in Harry, if you think he's getting another seven, eight kind of target day, and maybe this is the game where he finally starts making that big play, and God forbid they actually target him downfield. Um, if the Newton, hair, if the Newton and Keel stack hits, boy, are you in great shape. You know, do I have confidence in it hitting? No, I think it's like a 50 50 shot. Now, Cam hitting, I've got a lot of confidence in. So I think naked Cam, Cam Edelman feels like a fairly safe play. Um, Cam in Keel is a liberating play in terms of your salary cap, you know, but it's a little bit, you know, you're going to have to clutch your teddy bear while you're watching that one or something. Um, moving down to Frisco uh, at the Giants. Jordan Reed is now in play with Kittle out, but he's up to 4K. So we're playing 1,400 more for him this week. More people will be on it. The Giants are a little bit better than the Jets covering tight ends. So Reed, there's no way Reed's as good a play this week as, as he is last. I think a lot of people are going to be chasing those touchdowns. So Reed's probably not going to be in lineups for me. Uh, I do think one guy that no one's talking about, and in this game, I think he's going to play almost all the snaps, and I think he's going to be 
targeted five to 10 times. So I think in GPPs on a week where we're looking for ways to reduce salary, to open up some, some really nice options, I think Brandon Ayuk in a GPP has merit. Now, would I put a ton of him in there? No, no, because we don't know what kind of relationship he has with the backup quarterback. But, you know, right now, no Debo. You know, no receivers who are really kicking butt. Kendrick Bourne's there. He's solid. But Ayuk has got, when you look at the scheme, it's all about run after the catch. This guy's a run after the catch demon. And the Giants are a little dispirited. So, you know, having 10% exposure to Ayuk in in GPPs to me seems like a reasonable idea that no one's thinking about. Uh, On the other side, I think, you know, a couple things with the Giants. First of all, I'm not playing any of those running backs, and I'm not playing the quarterback. Um, Ingram, I think, is in play based on price and, you know, projected target load. But, man, I hate the way they're using him. I just hate it. It almost seems to be, you know, sort of soul-crushing Ingram. Like, you can tell, like, he doesn't want to be a screen guy. But that's sort of what they're doing with him. So, you know, I'm probably not going to have any Ingram this week, although the, I, I bet some sharps will. Um, the, the guy who really looks good on the Giants' side of the ball is Slayton. Um, you know, you know, San Francisco is hurting at cornerback, um, and it's hard to think that the Giants aren't ultimately going to be trailing in this football game. Um, you know, San Francisco's in good shape on the offensive line. They should be able to run. They should be able to throw. They don't have a lot to throw to, but they should be able to throw. So I think they're going to be functional. I don't think the Giants will be. So, you know, for me, uh, 49ers should win this football game. Um, And eventually the Giants are going to be taking shots to Slayton at 4,900 units. And I think Slayton is a guy, because this game is so ugly, I think some people are going to forget about him. And I think Slayton is a guy where you're not sacrificing ceiling, you're getting some floor because the target distribution is going to be thinner with no Saquon Barkley and with no uh, Sterling Shepard, right? Um, and then the other thing is Tate at 4,500 units. You know, in, in cash and in small field tournaments, you could go roster block with these guys. Like, you could play Tate and Slayton thinking that you're going to get about half of the Giants' targets by doing so. You know, there's some... I, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but it's something to think about. Um, anything else here? I think that's enough for this particular game. I, there's no one else really there that I want to get into. Um, so let's talk about um, uh, Bengals at the Eagle. And um, I know I'm going a little bit long here, so I'm doing my best to, to, to get through this quickly. Um, it's interesting. You know, I, I'm looking at this game, Bengals at Eagles, and... If the Bengals can just have a good day, this thing could really go off. I think this is a game where having some involvement makes sense. Obviously, Miles Sanders at 6,400 is going to maybe be the chalk running back. Um, so if you know if you if you're just looking for a good solid running back and you don't care about ownership, Sanders is an easy call here. If you're looking more to go from a game theory angle, you know Deshaun Jackson is obviously the leverage play. As I was starting to say here, the Bengals are not real good defending the deep ball. Djax is now to the point where he should be playing a pretty big snap load. So, you know, I think building some Miles Sanders lineups and some Djax lineups makes sense. I don't love the idea of combining them, though you could mess around with it because certainly they both can go off. Um, but somebody was saying it yesterday and they were making such a good point. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Drew Dinkmeyer. Um, but when you hit on a bomb, that's a drive killer. So every time Djax nails, like if Djax catches an 80-yard touchdown pass, that hurts Sanders. So there is a certain amount of, you know, cost to having them both in the lineup. I like the idea of maybe, you know, having about 
30% exposure to both guys and none of them in the same lineup. Um, and the tight ends are certainly viable here. Neither one of them is priced up too high. Uh, Goddard's the cheaper one. I feel like I'm more inclined to play Goddard this week, but it's very close call. Quite frankly, I'm not really playing either one of them yet. Uh, maybe I'll get off of that. But for me, um, no surprise, I'm really into Hawkinson this week. And I think, you know, Herndon on the Jets, everybody talked him up. And he's still viable for all the reasons people talked him up. The difference is this week, the Jets, he's the best receiver the Jets have. Jets don't have a receiver as good as Herndon. So, you know, if he doesn't get 10 targets in this game, it's malpractice. Now, the way the Jets are playing, 10 targets, you know, like divide by like 0.6 or something like that. They're worth less than 10. But Herndon, to me, he's the one tight end who's priced way down relative to the pack and does have touchdown equity and does have target uh, potential. So I think I'll probably end up with some exposure to Herndon. Um, now, anything else with this Bengals game? Um, I think Mixon is probably underrated at 5,900 units. Certainly Sample is another tight end who's in play. He's sort of like Herndon, but I don't think he has the ceiling. I think we're forgetting that the Chris Herndon has struggled a little bit but it's because of the, you know, the Jets have been getting dominated and the Jets have been using him to block a lot. I don't think they have this that luxury this week. And I think what's going to happen is that they're going to use Ryan Griffin in the role that Herndon's in. And Herndon's going to play Joker tight end most of the game. So that's sort of where, that's why I like Herndon a little more than a guy like Sample. Um, the only other player for me that's really in play in this game would be Tyler Boyd. I'm not going at A.J. Green yet. He just doesn't look good enough. I'm not going to get into that game. Uh, moving down to Houston at Pittsburgh, there's really nobody on the Houston side of the ball except maybe a GPP dart throw with David Johnson just because if they use him right, he could catch five balls plus in this game. Uh, but I'm not about to, like, you know, bet my mortgage on that. On the Steelers' side of the ball, there's a lot to like. Certainly, Deontay is going to be chalk at 5,400, which means Juju, if it looks like he's going to be playing somewhere near healthy, I'm going to sort of pay attention to this game this morning. If I, you know, if I hear any buzz that Juju's, you know, you know, air quote, gutting it out, I'm not going to go there. But if Juju is healthy, I think getting some Juju shares could be a nice leverage play. The problem with it is that 66 is a lot. You're going up 1,200 bucks to do that. So I don't know how much I'll do that, but Juju is a leverage play. Perhaps the better leverage play is James Conner at 6,700 units. You know, doesn't cost as much as the elites like Henry, uh, but, you know, he does have a pretty good share of that job. Game script should favor him. If the game script gets out of hand, he'll be the guy catching the passes. So Conner, I think, is a really underrated play this week just in terms of, A, he's worth what you're paying, and B, if he hits it's going to throw a lot of people's teams into disarray while strengthening yours. Leverage. Um, let's jump down. Uh, we hit the Jets uh, with Herndon, but, you know, I hate saying this, but if you have to pay down at receiver, a 3,700-unit Chris Hogan, not the worst idea. I think the Colts' defense isn't getting enough love. Yes, you have to pay up for him. Yes, it's tough to do. But you're talking about one of the best teams in the trenches against maybe the worst team in the trenches. The Colts are going to dominate this game at the line of scrimmage, particularly on offense. Uh, excuse me, particularly on defense. Um, and I think if this game goes the way Vegas says, uh, pick sixes are in play in the second half. Uh, so I think the Colts, D, if you can get there, 
I like it. Um, Taylor, obviously, John, Jonathan Taylor is going to be chalk at 7K. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think, merits GPP exposure. Now, I'm not going to play him in cash because if he doesn't get it in the first half, he might not get it. I mean, Vegas has this thing at 10 points, but he could easily be 40 points. Um, so that's, you know, I think that's why some of these cheap jet passing, you know, options, and I think Hogan in particular at 3,700, Barrios is dinged up. So, I, you know, he could be an, an early out uh, again, which could shove more targets in the direction of Hogan and Herndon. You know, they've got Malone, the Jets have, but he's really a pure deep threat. And how many deep shots are the Jets going to get off here? I mean, the Jets have to work the short intermediate ranges in this game and they need to run the football or they're dead. So to me, Herndon and Hogan make some sense. On the other side, Taylor at 7K. I'm going to have some of him. 7K is not easy to get, so fading him feels good from a lineup construction point of view. Here's the one thing. I think you do take a little bit of risk if you full fade this guy because if they give him 80% of the day, if they don't pull him until, say, the fourth quarter he could have 25 touches for 200 total yards. I mean, this guy could go nuts. He could have multiple touchdowns. So, like, I think the full fade on Taylor is risky. I wouldn't do it. But I also think, you know, 90% exposure has a different side of risk because this game could be over really fast. And if the Colts say, hey, let's just, let's just you know, we'll put Wilkins in this thing. This thing's over. If they do that, it's going to be hard for Taylor to pay off at 7K. So that's, you know, you sort of have to walk the line on this. Like, I want to be in it, but I don't want to be in it too deep. Um, moving down to Panthers um, at Chargers. On the Panthers side, Mike Davis is the only guy in play for me. I'm really not getting involved in anybody else. Um, just because this defense is stifling, they keep the ball in front of them. They'll give you receptions, but they're it's going to be very tough to get touchdowns, particularly long ones. Now, on the Chargers side of the ball... Um, to me, you know, the running backs are both in play if you want to go there. Hunter Henry, I think, is an exceptionally important player this week because from a standpoint of lineup construction, he's the one tight end I've been able to get into some of my builds without damaging the team because he's 500 less than Hawkinson. He's significantly less than some of the other guys. Um, and he really, you know, he's a guy where he's been getting, you know, he hasn't had the touchdown, but he's been performing pretty well. If he gets the touchdown this week, he's almost definitely going to pay off at that number. Uh, I also think Mike Williams at 4,300 units is in play. The thing you need is for the Carolina Panthers to show up. Now, you know, I thought Bridgewater looked better than I thought he would look last week. He was in control. He wasn't intimidated by the defense that he was up against. So he could function in this game. Um, you know, I'm not playing him. Uh, you know, but he could keep this game close enough where, you know, the Chargers don't go to the run too early. Um, moving down to Tampa at uh, Denver, there's really nobody in this game I like. Tampa could be running the ball pretty quickly. Fournette in GPPs, if you think they're going to go full Fournette, in theory, could work out. And then on the Denver side, there's really nothing I like. Fant, I guess, in GPPs if you want. But Hamler is the guy, right? Hamler, the rookie, 3K in a game where they could be trailing most of the way. If Denver can function, if they can keep their quarterback clean at all, I think Hamler's a good bet to catch three, four, five balls. If he catches that many, he's probably in the 50, 60, 70-yard area with a chance maybe at making a touchdown. 
And at 3K on a week like this, I do think having some exposure to Hamler makes sense. The thing I don't want people to do, the thing I'm not going to do myself, is put him in like half my lineups because he does have bagel potential. He does. Because Denver could be dysfunctional in this game. Um, so be careful w with your exposure to Hamler, but also, you know, he's a, a lubricant piece. You put in a 3K receiver, all of a sudden, you've got a lot of other options. Um, so I do think you can create some cool, unique lineups with him, and then if he hits, you're in phenomenal shape, but, you know, don't let him wreck your whole day. Okay, we're a half hour in, already more than I wanted to do. Um, let's hit these big two games, um, and then we'll get into some of the players I want to play. First up, we're going to talk about Lions at Arizona. Now, it's a shame that the pricing in this game is so weird for me, and it's a shame that Galladay isn't fully healthy. Um, so where I'm at in this game, on the Detroit side, I like Hawkinson at 53 in an up-pace game. Um, Hawkinson, basically, every time they throw to him, they have a play. And this guy's made a play almost every single time they throw him the ball. I think only one of his targets hasn't ended up in a completion. Um, I heard Tagliere saying the other day online that every single target, I, I have him missing one target. But either way, clearly, he's been an exceedingly efficient part of their offense. Now, they've been limiting his snaps a little bit. Um, you know, uh, J Jesse James, they've been sort of using him as sort of a, a, a run-blocking, pass-protection guy and giving him 20-30% of the snaps. When Hawkinson's in there, um, he, you know, he's being used a lot. Um, now, you know, Hawkinson's coming off of an injury. Now we're into week three. He's played really well. In a game like this, the idea that they're not going to up his snaps, I think, is crazy but we are talking about Detroit now making matters better like even if they keep Hawkinson at like an 80 percent 75 percent snap rate in this game there will be more snaps so that you know in this game a 75 snap rate is almost like a hundred percent snap rate in a normal game so I really like Hawkinson in this game especially if this thing starts going back and forth and the way Arizona's playing defense certainly Stafford can do some damage in this game he's got enough weapons on the Detroit side, look, Marvin Jones is in play if you want to go there. To me, Galladay is too thin. The two running backs, the ones that run mostly, Peterson, Carrion, to me, they're not in play. Um, but Swift at 5K, I think limited GPP exposure to Swift makes some sense. Because if you're Detroit and you fall behind in this game, how do you not go to the receiving back? Not to mention, he's the guy you put draft capital in. He's the guy your fans want to see. He's the guy who can make people miss. He's the guy who catches the football, runs great routes. So if this thing, if Arizona jumps out, and I think they will, then I think Swift could become, instead of a one-third back, a two-thirds back. And in this game at 5K, I don't know about slate-breaking potential, but he definitely has the potential to be the best running back in that price range and to get you into a little bit of a different build. Um, you know, right now I don't have any Swift lineups, just truth be told, but he's a guy where I'm constantly looking at him going, is this the GPP I want to get him in on? I hope to get him in on a few. Uh, on the Arizona side of the ball, Kyler could, is probably going to be the chalk because this is a great matchup and he is one of the quarterbacks who's more affordable. He's not up in the 7K range. Nuke is going to be amazing. He's going to be targeted a ton. But DraftKings, they they really wanted to make our lives hard this week. When you put Nuke in there, particularly stacked with one of the, the 66 plus, 67 plus quarterbacks, you now have a tough job ahead of you in terms of filling out a lineup that looks good. So, you know, I think 
the people who roster nuke are a lot of them are going to kill their roster in the process. So I think there are going to be a lot of dead nuke rosters because people pay too high a price to get them in. They play too many low, low floor options. So I think the nuke fade can work just on that level. Um, now I love him if I can get him in, if I can find a way to get him in, like if I say, well, I'm going to play Hamler. Okay. Well then I'm going to try nuke, but you know, barring, you know, a risky low, low cost player, it's tough to get him in. Now, Drake, on the other hand, is a step down from the expense of running backs. He's in a situation where they should be in control of the game. They're playing a team that can't stop the run. So, first of all, Jake Drake could be chalky. Now, maybe the fact that he hasn't, you know, had the big game yet will scare people away, and maybe he won't be as chalky as we think, but I think he will be. But, you know, to me, he's good chalk. Um... You know, and as long as I'm not playing all chalk, as long as all three of my RBs aren't chalk, I'm totally cool with putting uh, Kenyon Drake in my lineup at 6K. He could smash in this game. He really could. Um, Isabella is the last guy I'm considering, and he's just a paydown guy at 3,800. You know, he should be hitting like a 50% snap rate instead of a 15% snap rate. I think his odds on making a big player are around 50%. If it happens and then you get a little bit else, you know, more and, you know, you can get Isabella, you know, coming out of there, 17, 18, 19, 20 points, you're doing really well. So I think in GPPs, some limited exposure to Isabella can make a lot of sense. If it hits for you, it becomes a leverage play. Um, and if Isabella happens to hit on a few big plays and it could happen against his team, he could be a slate breaker. So I think limited Isabella exposure makes sense. I think going in at like, you know, anything over say 25%, you are going to, you know, put yourself at risk. Um, you know, and if you like the risk, go for it. Um, now, the other game, well, before I get to the other game, uh, a couple people have mentioned this week, and they're 100% right, Detroit plays a lot of man. According to Scott Barrett, they play the highest rate of man in the NFL. If that's the case, and that continues this week, Kyler's going to run on these guys. Because when you're playing man, you're not looking at the quarterback, and they can take off. So I think Kyler's floor is a lot higher because of that man coverage rate, just for what it's worth. Um and we really like the pace in this game. Both teams look like they could play at a high pace. Um, it's also worth noting that Desmond Trufant is out in this game, making Nuke that much more of a monster. Um, okay, let's talk about Dallas at Seattle. Now, Jim and I talked about this on the air, and I don't know if my thoughts on this game are going to be all that original. I think it's fairly easy to decipher how this thing works. Um, obviously, Dak and Wilson are both phenomenal plays, but it's a challenge to get there. Okay, um, the one thing that helps in this game is that the Dallas receivers, again, I guess because there's a trio of them, are fairly underpriced. I mean, Amari Cooper at 6,500, slight discount. Gallup at 5,500 is sort of a reflection that he hasn't gotten it done two weeks in a row, but his, his role in this offense is pretty secure. So I don't know if there's a better upside play than Michael Gallup at 5,500 units, and he's probably the one guy where people are a little scared off. He might not be heavily owned relative to his price and upside in this matchup. And then Lamb, who's playing slot, and you know the Cowboys are having trouble protecting from the edges. So Lamb could be a high target guy in this in this game. So you know, really, I want to have one of these Dallas receivers in most of the lineups I build. Um, and with the exception of Amari, they're not particularly challenging to get in. So, you know, really like the idea of getting a lot of Gallup and Lamb in my GPPs this week. Um, 
you know, and then obviously if you want to pay up to Zeke, he's going to be a great play. He's going to put up a ton of points, but I am having a lot of trouble getting to that number. It's a challenge. Um, on the other side, Russ, just a, just a tremendous play, uh, but at 7,300 units, obviously that is, a, I mean, that's a tough a tough number to put on a quarterback this week from a team-building perspective. Um, if you're playing Russ, I mean, you almost have to stack him, I think, unless you're going to go inside out. Um, but I think it makes more sense. Well, no, actually it does make sense. Like to you, you pay up to Russ to get a piece of the Seattle passing game, but then you pay down to Dax cheaper receivers. So you could do like a Russ Gallup lamb stack. And that sort of takes a little bit of the sting of Russ's cost out. And you get a big piece of both sides of this game, which could go ham. So, you know, you know, a real veteran GPP master may have a reason not to do that. I can't think of one. Um, you could do, and then on the other side, you know, if you play Russ, maybe you go with one of his cheap pieces and then one of, excuse me, if you go with Dak, maybe you go with either Gallup or Lamb and then either DK or Lockett. I'm sort of feeling DK on this one. They both have good matchups, um, but, you know, it, it just feels like, you know, it, Metcalf could drop like a couple bombs in this game and then put, you know, three or four more catches on the board and, you know, he could easily have a 30-plus day on DraftKings in this game. Um, and then, you know, and Lockett clearly is also a very good play uh, and you save 100 bucks. Um and I think probably Lockett is lower owned, so uh, for what that's worth. Um, the pace of this game looks excellent. Um, the Cowboys' uh, cornerbacks are banged up. Um, so you really, you just have to love this game um, for the Seattle passing game. Now, if you want to sort of fade this thing and buy into, as I said on the show, buy into the concept that Seattle may look at Dallas and be scared of getting into a 60-minute shootout, Seattle being comfortable in a sort of an ugly game may go ugly for a while to shorten things and open up the passing game when they need to. I don't think they're going to do that, but certainly there's got to be like a 33% chance, right? So to me, you could play Carson, fade the expensive pieces in this game. If Carson hits and Seattle does effectively slow down the game, even if the game gets aggressive in the second half, these guys won't pay off the way we want them to. Carson gets a couple touchdowns. He pays off easily at that 6,600 number, and you dip into some of these other games to create an original lineup. I think that's an, an interesting way to play this thing. Um, for me, I'm probably going to try to play three separate angles. I'll probably try to, well, actually, I'll probably try to play four separate angles on this game. Dak teams, Russ teams, Carson teams, and then teams where I'm using a different quarterback like Kyler, or Cam, and then I come in for some of the cheaper pieces of this game just so I have, you know, a good chunk of this game because it could go ham. Um, so that's sort of the way I see the slate. Um, sorry that I went through it so quick. 38 minutes for me is a pretty quick slate walk. Um, but let's get to some of these plays and get you guys out of here. Okay, so what I'm going to do now really is just sort of go through what I've condensed into my player pool. It's not as condensed as I'd like it to be, but these are basically all the guys I'm considering. Um, when I hit a guy who I think is going to be heavy, I'll mention that, all right? So defensively, if you're paying up, I like the Colts, I like the Steelers. Um, I really like the Buccaneers at 3,700. That's the team I've sort of focused in on. Um, if I do pay down, it's probably going to be the Giants just because they're getting uh, you know, a shot at an inexperienced quarterback. I don't really love that. 
but if I do pay down, that's probably where I'll do it. Um, at the quarterback position, really, it's it's the normal guys. It's the Konami code guys. Um, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Cam Newton. Um, right now, I've got more Kyler and Cam than anything else with a couple Trubisky teams. I am looking to build some Russell and some Dak teams as well. Um at running back, obviously Zeke is a phenomenal play. If you can get to 8,300, I'm finding it to be challenging. Derrick Henry, I think, is a tremendous play, but 7,800 is challenging. Jonathan Taylor, tremendous play, but 7K is challenging. Um, now, am I getting one of those guys into a lot of my builds? Yeah, one of them, sure. But getting more than one is incredibly tough. Um, James Conner, a little bit easier to get in at 6,700. Nobody's going to be on him. I think it's a sneaky play. You do have to sort of bite the bullet and worry about an in-game injury. But apart from that, he's just in a great spot. Um, we talked about Chris Carson and him being A, a pretty good play at his price, and B, an interesting leverage play against the field. Miles Sanders could be chalk at 6,400 units. Definitely want some of him against Cincinnati. He's home in that game. Uh, Kenyon Drake could be chalk at 6K. I'm going to have plenty of him. Joe Mixon, a little bit off the beaten path. I think he's underrated at 59, and he's a little bit of a cost saver. Uh, I mentioned Swift. Um, Jarek McKinnon, I didn't mention before. You know, if you could guarantee me 15 touches, I'd be buying him. I don't know if it's a lock or not. I definitely think some... some you know, limited exposure to McKinnon in GPPs makes sense. And then at that same price tag, Singletary's in play. And for, you know, for 200 bucks more, I think Mike Davis, limited exposure is in play. Um, at tight end, I love Higby. I'm having trouble getting to the number. I love Hawkinson having some trouble getting to the 5,300 number. Henry, I like quite a bit, and I am able to get to that 4,800. Same thing with Hurst at 47. Jordan Reed at 4K in play, but I'm probably not going to do much of it. And then I think Herndon is a guy we should be thinking about. And wide receivers, a nice big open group of receivers that I think are viable. Um, you know, New Hopkins, Thielen, their price tags make them tough to get to. Metcalf, 400 bucks off of Thielen, and I get a piece of that big game. So Metcalf's a guy I want to get a lot of. Amari Cooper, same kind of thing. Tyler Lockett. Uh, Julian Edelman, I don't, I won't play him standalone, but I think in some of my cam stacks, I think I might hit that. Uh, Allen Robinson at 62, I think is cash viable. Tyler Boyd at 5,900, I think is cash viable. Terry McLaurin at 5,900, particularly if Denzel Ward is out, I like. T.Y. Hilton, limited GPP exposure makes a lot of sense to me. I do think there's a slight chance he could be a problem if he doesn't hit early. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I think, is interesting at 5,500. Same thing with Michael Gallup, who I think if you've got the guts to play a guy who hasn't gone off yet. I think Gallup maybe is that guy this week. Uh, Deontay Johnson for $100 less. So right there, you can see why he's going to be getting chalk with all those targets. He probably will be the chalkiest receiver, I think, on the board this week. Uh, but I'm going to get some exposure, just not too much. C.D. Lamb, same price as Deontay. Interesting pivots, but they're both going to be pretty heavily owned. Uh, and Deshaun Jackson at 5200 pretty far down the chain, uh, should be probably playing more snaps than he has all year, playing against a team that can be beaten down the field. Um, without Geno Atkins, you know, the, I think the pocket for Wentz would be as good as it's been all year. So Djax is in play. Um, and then in the same kind of way, but he's healthier and he's even cheaper, you know, Darius Slayton. So I think, you know, rotating like 
Slayton and Jackson in your GPPs, particularly if you decide you're going to fade that Dallas game, which is a gutsy move. Uh, I do think that could make a little bit of sense. Mike Williams is in play at 4,300. And Kiel Harry is in play as a cam stacking option at 4,200. Um, and then, you know, if you want to go off the board a little bit, you know, my cheap off the board play uh, is Brandon Ayuk. And then, of course, we've got the really cheap guys. Um, if you want to go there, you're Chris Hogan, um, you're Isabella, and all the way down at 3K, uh, KJ Hamlin. So, sorry this went so long. You can tell. I was trying to talk fast. Um, but that's sort of where I'm at with this slate. Sorry I'm not a little bit more informative in terms of exactly what my builds look like right now. Um, but I'm still in my building process. Um, but that's sort of my top-down view of the slate. Um, sorry this was a bad week, but man, uh, technical problems on Thursday and it just rolls all the way through to Sunday. Um, but anyway, should be a really good slate of games. We've got a lot of four o'clocks. So that's going to be fun. Um, and the, the short slate for uh, Sunday, Monday night. Wow, great games. So uh, let's kick back, enjoy it all. Uh, I will be back with some waiver wire stuff on Tuesday and then everything's going to be rolling on schedule next week. So uh, thanks for listening to the Rotobomb Podcast. Bring home some money today. Hopefully uh, I'll meet you uh, early this evening in the winter circle. Onward, upward, giddy up.